I am so glad that you guys are all here today because what we're going to talk about now, I think, is the most important thing that you can do. And so because of that, I have changed how I'm doing this message and what I'm doing so many times <laughs> that I hope I remember the one that's connected to this PowerPoint and not <laughs> the other one, but we'll see how we go. Um, so we're in the middle of a series in the Book of Romans. So up to week three. So if, those, if this is your first week, go back and listen to week one and week two. Um, week one, we talked about the introduction, what the book is all about. Week two, last week, does anybody remember what Matt talked about last week? Wasn't exactly about cars. Does this help? The fact that we are actually all sinned that we've all chosen to take what God has given us and use it in a way that God hasn't wanted us to, which that was the car illustration that he gave about being given a car and deciding to use it in a way that isn't the way it was intended to be used for. So what we're doing is we're not actually looking at Romans verse by verse or even chapter by chapter. We're looking at the big story of Romans, the big picture. So the first part of the big picture is the fact that we have actually all sinned. And I hope that isn't a surprise to you. I think all of us realise without too much trouble that we've all done things that are not pleasing to God, that we've all done things that are not the way that God wants them to be. That's what sin is. And all of us, no matter who you are, has sinned. And that's the first part of what Paul wants us to know. So now we're looking at the next part, and it starts with a verse like this. It says this in Romans 3.21. But now, which is a really important word, because when you say but now, it means whatever's come before, there's something new now, there's something different. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. It's really important for us to realise that what we're going to be talking about today has been seen all through history. This isn't a new idea that Paul has just made up. But the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, actually points to the righteousness of God. So what actually is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is this, that all he is and all that he does is right, is holy and is just. All that God is, is pure, is holy, is right, and is just. That is what it means when it's talking about the righteousness of God. And today, we're going to actually look at a number of what's considered theological terms, like the word righteousness. And sometimes people go, oh, that's just too deep and heavy. But the only reason that we have them as words is because there's so much in them you have to like use sentences and sentences to explain it. So they've tried to use one word to incorporate that meaning. So hopefully after today, we'll get the word and we'll get the meaning and understand what's going on here. So the righteousness of God is all about the fact that God is always right. Always is. No question about it. So this is what the law and the prophets testify that the righteousness of God has actually been known to us, that we know that God is always right. And then the very next verse is an amazing verse because it says this, 
This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So this fact that God is always right now is given to us who believe in who Jesus is. So those who believe in Jesus, when God looks at us, he sees us through Jesus and sees us as righteous. Just think about that for a moment. God looks at me and he looks at me because I believe in who Jesus is and what he has done. He actually sees me as being right. And everybody who knows me will tell you that I am not always right. But God sees me as right. He sees me as righteous. For those of you who used to ever watch Get Smart, Get Smart had this little phrase he used to always say when he would say, I missed it by that much. When it comes to righteousness, there's no missing it by that match. You can't be a little bit righteous. You either are righteous or you're not righteous. Because righteousness means everything you do is right, is holy and pure. So you can't be sometimes righteous and sometimes not. Because the idea of righteousness is everything you do is right, is pure and is holy. So how does it actually work? Because even though I believe in who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross, when God looks at me and sees me as righteous, I know that even now I'm still not always righteous. So it's not the fact that we are always right, always holy and always do what God wants us to do. It's that we're seen as righteous. And that's a really big difference. And it's a big difference because there's some people who actually think the other way. They think that because they believe in Jesus, they actually are righteous. We had some people in one of my church, in a church I grew up with who believed this, who would go around and tell people that they never sin, that because of Jesus, they are righteous, and because they are righteous, everything they do is right. And so the pastor who happened to be my dad had to come to them and say, that's not actually what we believe as a church. And so if you want to continue to believe that that's fine, but can you please not try and tell other people that they either are not Christians because they've sinned, or if you're a Christian, you never sin because that's not what we believe. Because it's not that we are righteous, it's that we're seen as righteous. And that's a really, really big difference. And if we don't understand that difference, we can get really, really confused and think, oh, am I a Christian? Because if I'm a Christian, I'm meant to always be right, and I know that I'm not always right, it confuses you. But it's that we're seen through Jesus, we're seen as righteous. So that's a big concept to understand, but a really, really important concept. And what Paul does really, really well is explain this concept to us. So if we have a look at some verses, okay, who knows what Romans 3.23 says? Yep, yep. Do you want to say it louder so everybody can hear? Fantastic. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One of a really well-known verse in Romans and a verse that if you didn't even know it came from Romans 3.23, most of us have heard it before, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the verses that come around this are even more important and add a bigger, greater understanding 
of this whole understanding of what Jesus' death and resurrection has actually done. And so this is what the whole passage actually says. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. So it's not just that we've all sinned, but all are justified freely by his grace. So now we have another word that we need to try and work out what it means, which is what is justified. So justified is this. It's the action of declaring or making a person righteous in the sight of God. And I've got a picture of like a law hammer and and the scales of right or wrong. Because what justification is about, it's about saying that we are declared, we are made righteous in the sight of God. That that is like what is legally we can hold on to. And so when it talks about there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. It is telling us that we are actually seen as righteous because of the grace of God. The following verse in verse 25 tells us this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by great faith. So now we have another word that we need to decide. So hopefully, righteousness, always right. Justification, we've been declared, we've been made to be right in the sight of God. And then we've got this idea of atonement. Okay, and atonement is, again, an action of making amends for a wrong or an injury. So in a court of law, if I did something towards Sophie and I was declared to be guilty, I've done something wrong, then I have to pay something to Sophie to make it right. I've got to make amends for the wrong that I've done. And so the judge would say, you have to pay so much money to make atonement, to make amends, to make up for the wrong that I did towards Sophie. So that's what atonement is about. It's about making amends, making a payment for what, for the wrong that was made. Righteousness is a person without sin. Atonement is the action of making amends for wrong. And justification is declaring or making a person righteous in the sight of God. We all okay? Cool. We know that we've all sinned. Paul makes that really clear in the first part of Romans. So we're not a person without sin. But because of how much God loves us, he wanted to actually make a way so that we could be seen as righteous so he could know us and we could know him. And that's where Jesus came into play. The atonement, the payment, was Jesus' death on the cross. Without that death on the cross, we could never be seen as righteous in the eyes of God because an atonement, a payment, something had to be made for the wrongs that had been done. So instead of me having to pay for that, Jesus did it for me. And so because of that, because of what Jesus has done, I am now seen as righteous. That's what all those words are telling us. So how does this happen? 
In this verse, we see that we are justified freely by His, being God's grace. The redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. And then we're presented, um, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement for the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. The fantastic thing about all of this is that we have very little to do with it. It's actually all got to do with God and very little to do with you and me. Because it's God's grace that causes him to justify us to make us be seen as righteous. It's only because of the grace that he has for us. The redemption the, um, only comes by the death and resurrection of actually Jesus. And even faith itself, our belief, our faith in God, actually comes from God. So actually, this whole thing we get the benefit of and God does it all. In chapter 4 of Romans, it goes on and talks about Abraham. And it talks about um, him and who he is. And it has this, this verse in chapter 3 of Abraham that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So this is Paul making, um, continuing the argument as to why we've been justified freely and there's nothing that we can do about it. And he uses Abraham as an example. Like it's only because Abraham believed God that he was actually seen as righteous in the eyes of God. And it goes on to say, Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So Paul is trying to explain to us that if you work and I give you money, if you work for me and I give you money, that's not a gift. That's what's due to you. I owe you money. I owe you wages because you've actually done something to earn it. But what God actually does, it's not about works. It's only if you believe in him that he justifies. So it's not something that you actually earn. It's not something that actually is given to you because of anything else but because God wants to. It's actually a completely and utterly free gift. So you cannot earn a relationship with God. You cannot earn forgiveness from God. God through Jesus has done all that is needed so that we can be forgiven, so that we can know God and God can know us. That is the thing that Paul wants us to know. And that is what God has wanted from the very beginning of time. Sending Jesus wasn't an afterthought because nothing else worked. God, since he made Adam and Eve, wanted to know us and for us to know him. People did sin. They did do their own, go their own way. And God came to Abraham and said, Hey, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And Abraham, you don't actually have to do anything. I'm just going to make that happen. And God did. And then you have Isaac and you have Jacob and you have all these people in the Old Testament that God again and again says, I want to know you and I want you to know me. And so when Jesus came, he actually made it so that all of us can know God. There is nobody that cannot know him. 
There is no one who cannot be declared righteous in the sight of God. And I think we sometimes forget that. We sometimes think it's because of what I've done that God is pleased with me. It's because I go to church or it's because I read my Bible or it's because I do good things that God answers my prayers or God listens to me or I can know God. But that is so actually utterly wrong. It's all because of what God has done. What we do makes no difference. We believe, which is something that God gives us our belief, like the Bible tells us in other places, that even faith itself comes from God. Now, Paul not only wrote Romans, he wrote a number of other books. I'm going to skip to another book that he wrote because he summarizes everything he's trying to tell us. Okay, in Ephesians, Paul also wrote Ephesians. And Paul says this in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own work doing, it is a gift, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. So none of us can say, I am so good, God has forgiven me. It's actually the complete opposite. It's because we all have sinned that we need a saviour and we cannot save ourselves that God had to do it all. In chapter 5 of Romans, it says this. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we could do nothing for God, God did everything for us. And the same is still true today. We sometimes think people need to change what they're doing and then God can forgive them. But God actually forgives first. He does the action first. He first loved us, which is why we love him. He forgives us which is why we should forgive others. He gives us grace and mercy even when we don't deserve it. He does it all and we believe that he's done it. That's the only part that we play in this. We just go, yes, God, I believe who Jesus is and I believe that his death actually was powerful. And it was. His death was so utterly powerful because if we remember from last week when it says that no one is righteous, not even one, then not only do we do the things we know we should not do, but we actually like encourage others to do it as well. In that state, Jesus came and died for you. And so even now, when we ask for forgiveness for the things that we do, God forgives us even before like when we ask, he doesn't expect us to show and prove that we are sorry and then he will forgive us. We don't need to spend months doing the right thing and then God will forgive us for the wrong thing. We ask forgiveness, he forgives, and then we continue to live a life that hopefully brings glory to him. Romans, 1, um, Romans 5 one says this, Therefore... Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, which is all that we've been talking about, being made right in God's sight by faith, 
We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God. And when Paul was writing this, that probably had much more meaning to people than it does today. Because today we don't really, you know, there's not a whole lot of people in our community that believe in lots of gods that are really powerful. But lots of the people that Paul was writing to came and were influenced by um, Greek mythology. And so their gods were really powerful. And if you did something wrong, they would strike you down or they would bring a famine or they would bring a flood. Like they would react in such a powerful way. And all they wanted was to make sure that the gods were at peace. Because if the gods were at peace, then they were fine and safe. And the fact that we have peace with God, that God is actually good with us, that we have a good relationship with a holy and powerful God, is utterly amazing. And that is only because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. This is the gospel. That Jesus, even when you didn't even know he existed, even when you didn't even care that he existed, came and died on the cross to pay for what was my and your punishment, what we deserved. He took it. And he took it because of the love that he has for us. And his blood covers us. So when God sees us, he doesn't see us as we truly are, but he sees us through Jesus. And by seeing us through Jesus, we are seen as if we are right. When we get to heaven, and when we live in heaven, we will live a righteous life. But until we get to that point, we're never going to be perfect. Because if we could do it ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have to come. If we could try hard enough and do enough good things and somehow as we get older and wiser, we become perfect, then God would have just waited for us to become perfect. The reason Jesus came is because we cannot do it ourselves. We try to. We like to think that we can, but we cannot. We can never get to a point where we will be right before God. Jesus came so that you, no matter what you have done, can be forgiven. And in that forgiveness, you have been justified. It is People say justification is like, just as if it never happened. Just as if that sin never happened, you are considered as if you are right before God. Everything you do and everything you have done is right, is holy, and is pure. That is the amazing gospel message that God has for us. And the thing is, if we think that it has anything to do with us, we miss the great, amazing grace that God has for us. And we judge others harshly if we think that what they can do either causes God to forgive them or not forgive them. There is no one that God can't forgive. There is nothing that his blood cannot cover. We have peace with God, not because I have done enough good things that have outweighed the bad things. I have peace with God because Jesus' blood did it all and I'm seen as if I'm right because I'm seen through the eyes of Jesus. And that should bring us freedom to live the life that God wants us to. 
because we don't have to earn our way. We don't have to always be wondering, am I doing good enough? We can sit in the freedom that says, God has done it all for me. And when I do do something, and Paul goes on later, but when I do do something, I don't do it out of guilt. I don't do it out of wanting to earn brownie points. What I do, I do because I am so grateful for what God has done. How can I not love because I've been loved? How can I not forgive because I know I've been forgiven? How can I not show grace when I know how much grace I've been given? And this is why Paul starts with sin. Because if we don't get that we've all sinned, then what are we being saved for? The more we get that we actually do not live up to the way God has planned us to live. And we're never going to. We may do it for a second. We might do it for a minute. But really, no matter how hard you try, you are never going to live a life that is pleasing before God without Jesus. We can't do it. And as I said before, if we could do it, God would just wait until we did. He would not have sent Jesus if there was any other way that we could do it ourselves. But we cannot do it ourselves. And so because of that, the next bit picture that Paul wants us to know in Romans is to keep calm because Jesus did it all. And how freeing is that? To know that when we wonder, oh, does God really love me? Oh, is he going to be, have I done enough to earn his grace and his mercy? Well, no, you haven't and you can't. But God gives his love and his grace and his mercy to you because of Jesus. And you are seen as right in the eyes of God because of Jesus. That is the good news that we have to tell other people. Not that they can live a life that's pleasing to God, but because you cannot live a life that's pleasing to God, God sent Jesus. And because of Jesus, you can have peace with the almighty, holy God, that you can know him, that he can know you. That is the amazing message. And that, I believe, is the most important message that you can ever hear. The most important message that you can tell anybody else. The more important message that I want my kids to know is that God has done it all for you. We believe that he has. We are credited as righteousness. We are seen as right before God. And because we're seen as right before God, we can enter into his presence. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. All of those things come because of what Jesus has already done. Let me pray. God, I am just so thankful that you did it all. I'm so grateful that you knew that we could not on our own get anywhere near um, what is needed to have a relationship with you. And so thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending him in my place. Thank you for letting him take the punishment that I deserved so that I can know you and know you can know me, God, so that I can have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, God. Thank you for the love and the mercy and the grace that you show us. Thank you that in your eyes we are seen through Jesus' righteous God. And I pray for each person here, God, that we will know that deep in our souls, that we will live a life of freedom and peace and joy because you did it all for us. 
And all that we do comes out of our gratitude to who you are and what you have done, God, not trying to earn it, God. So often we try so hard and it was never meant to be hard. Lord God, you say that your yoke is easy and that's because you are the one that does it all. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, God. Thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. Amen.